Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Career Anatomy Podcast. My name is Jeff Borup. And I'm Rebecca Clark. Our guest today is Matt Mittendorf. Matt is owner of Viking Strong Construction, a remodeling and restoration construction company in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, hello, Matt. What is a remodel, restoration, and construction company do exactly? Um, basically, we go into people's uh, homes and either restore them from fire or water damage, or we go in and remodel their kitchens and bathrooms and or do their whole entire home. Take me back to the beginning. How did you gain the skills, knowledge, or education to own a company like this? Basically, it was on-the-job training. When I was in high school, I took a lot of uh, uh, mechanics classes, woodworking, a lot of stuff uh, working with my hands, and knew that that was something that I wanted to do in the future. So yeah, I uh, went to junior college for a semester, took engineering classes. My uh, father, grandfather, uncles are all engineers on my dad's side of the family, so uh, that was the route that they wanted me to take. But I also got a job while doing or while going to community college doing uh, drywall, and I learned the trade and really uh, enjoyed working with my hands and uh, realized that I could make a living doing this. So I fortunately for my family dropped out of uh, college and pursued a career in construction. Uh, about five or six years into working for a fairly large construction company, I became a foreman and really realized that I wanted to go out on my own and start my own company. What does a foreman do? Basically, I was a working foreman, so I would still be on the job site uh, doing sheetrock. Uh, I have, would have uh, guys underneath me that I would schedule to do work in customers' homes and basically come behind them and check on their work and making sure the quality was up to par. Prior to being a foreman, it, it seems like you would have to have a general understanding of pretty much everything that's going on. So, and there's various different trades, right? That are that goes into it. There's you have plumbing, electricians, and etc. Did you kind of have your hands in all of that prior to reaching that point? Uh, no, I was just just doing drywall. Um, I would do side jobs on the weekends, um, but really it was just drywall. When I decided to go out on my own, I reached out to some restoration companies that I had done work for on the side, and they basically started giving me all their drywall, and they realized the quality and how fast I would get the work done, and they asked me, well, do you know how to paint? Do you know how to do doors and trim and everything that's involved in construction? And I told them, yeah, because it paid good, and I pretty much taught myself how to do the other trades. I got bigger and bigger to the point where I needed to get a license uh, in the state of Arizona to do construction legally. But their guidelines are you have to have a job list that's so many jobs. So basically, you have to do these jobs anyway unlicensed or you can work underneath another licensed contractor. So that's pretty much what I did. And then you sign up for a school and basically it's like a study group. So they give you two books, a business book and a trades book. You can study at home or you can go into the school and study on the computer. And then they it's about a two-week course. And then when they feel like you're ready to take the test, you go in and take the test for the trades and the business. And it's a kind of a pass or fail kind of deal. So, so what exactly is a contractor? 
Well, my company, I'm a general contractor, so what my company does is is basically ground up construction. So the the homeowner will hire me to contract the business or the the work. My company oversees all the work being done to the home. So most of the time I'll sub out like plumbing and electrical and flooring and things like that, but it's my job to make sure that these subcontractors are responsible for their work. Do you have some like go-to companies you typically use? Uh, yeah, my flooring guy does most of my tile and my showers and floors, and then I do have a plumber that I use pretty consistently. But really everything else, as far as the remodels go, I have in-house guys that work for me. I have uh, currently five employees. Um, I have an office manager, which is my ex-wife. She helps me run the company. And then I have uh, four other employees that uh, do the work as long or not as long, but as myself also. So how did you get like the word out about Viking construction and how do you get jobs? Um, basically, we're word of mouth, really no advertising other than, you know, Facebook. I was a contractor in Arizona from 2004 or five when I got licensed and then I uh, contracted till about 2010 and then the economy pretty much was dead and then I moved to Philadelphia and started a business out there uh, contracted out there for about five years and um, was ready to move back to Arizona so I kind of started getting a hold of my contacts that I had before previously when I was working in Arizona and would do little jobs here and there and then a friend of mine was doing construction here and kind of did work together and just kind of took off after that Okay, so piece it together for me one more time. So you started out doing drywall. There was a degree of kind of fake it till you make it. Can yeah. you do this? Can you do that? Of course I can. Yeah. And then became a foreman. You're in charge of other people, doing all kinds of things, a lot of moving parts. And then you decided to venture out on your own. Yes. What was the deciding factor there? Really didn't want to work for a corporate type company anymore. I wanted to be the master of my destiny, per se had a young family, young child, and I just wanted more for myself and for my family financially. And I uh, knew that if it was myself doing the work and running the business that I would be successful. Tell us about the risk associated with that. Uh, the risk is huge. No guaranteed paycheck every week, no insurance, health insurance, no guarantee that you're going to have work every week. It's It's massive. It's very stressful, but you have to be to be a business owner, I think in any type of business, you have to be overly confident, know who you are, know your self-worth, do the best that you can, one foot in front of the other and never give up. So how did you come up with the name Viking Strong? My company before was Mittendorf Construction, my last name. And when I was working in Philadelphia, a good friend of mine, Chad Knight, he's a tattoo artist. I wanted some shirts and he had designed this Viking face with two hammers because I have a beard and tattoos and all that stuff and ride motorcycles. And that's Shame kind of, on you. yeah, that's kind of like, like the Vikings of our days. And uh, I thought it was cool. And when I moved back, I wanted to have a change as far as like the company name. And we came up with Viking construction, but all those names were taken and trademarked and it was like, well, I'm a strong person uh, physically and mentally. And so we came up with Viking strong construction. Tell us some more about the business side of 
owning a construction company, a remodeling company. You have investors, you have materials and workers, etc. Tell us about how that operates. Uh, the business part of it, I don't really manage any of the money part of it, but as far as um, getting the work, um, I go out and bid the jobs and talk to the homeowners and kind of give them design ideas and, you know, really basically try to sell them on the work, our quality, things of that nature. I really just run the guys. Um, that obviously is a business part aspect. Getting material, making sure they're all lined out day to day. As far as the money goes, I I write the bids, send them over to Sarah. She sends them out. And if the customer wants to do the job, I collect a draw up front uh, for some labor, but mostly the material. And as the project progresses, we take another draw and then we take it like 10% as the final payment on the job. As far as investors go, we do work for investors for flipping homes. Our company, though, we don't have any investors. You know, it's kind of self-sustainable. You know, we build up the money to pay our payroll, and I pay myself a salary, And but anything extra goes back into the company as far as for licensing and insurance and uh, company shirts and things of that nature. So I know earlier you spoke a little bit about the recession having an impact on your business and the construction world. What other roadblocks have you encountered? Uh, a lot. I grew up in a middle-class household. My uh, father is an engineer, and he teaches at a university, a uh, chemistry teacher, and my mother is a reti- retired school teacher. Yeah, I grew up uh, in a household that was big on sports and football and wrestling and all that stuff, and my father was very uh, macho kind of guy, and that's how he was raised. My grandfather was a fighter pilot in the Air Force, and all my uncles were very manly, macho guys, and so I kind of had that upbringing and a lot of aggression, things like that, you know, with in the household and with you know that came along with with sports and things like that. So I was a pretty rough kid, and I, I was very quiet, not very talkative. I really kept to myself, but I, I definitely, when I was on the playground or on the football field, I was uh, very aggressive and violent. And that kind of snowballed into other things later in my teenage years of running with uh, certain people that were not very desirable uh, criminal type stuff. And I found myself getting into lots of fights and a lot of trouble. And, you know, it ended up causing, uh, causing me a lot of grief in the end because of my poor decisions and behavior. And really a lot of it was just false pride. Uh, you know, when you're raised to be a prideful person and never walk away from a fight or, or anything that would make you look less of a man, you know, I really had that in my head and I really never walked away from a situation that I thought was going to hurt my pride. So later in years in my life, you know, I was basically, I call it a functioning criminal type of thing, you know, or functioning drug addict, you know, you work your job and, you know, have a career and, support your family, but then you do your things at night. You know, I rode motorcycles and drank a lot and got into a lot of uh, bar fights and fist fights. And uh, eventually that caught up with me and uh, I ended up getting charged with a bunch of felonies and went to jail. And it wasn't the first time that I went to jail for something like that, but it did cause a lot of grief. And um, it's definitely harder now to be a business person in, in the world when, when you have that past and have felonies on your record. And so it definitely makes it more difficult for me. You know, the biggest thing, like with customers that refer me, they, they're like, you know, 
just to warn you, he's a big guy and covered with tattoos and has a huge beard. He's very scary. But once you talk to him and, you know, he's a nice guy and he, he really knows what he's doing. Yeah, as far as that stuff goes, yeah, there, there was huge leaps and bounds and, you know, growing up that I needed to do over the years. And the recession caused a lot of my grief and anger. And because I had worked so hard to build this little empire to support my family and my children, and it pretty much was taken away because of the the recession. So I uh, found myself getting in more trouble and I figured, you know, it's time to do something different. And I ended up moving to Philadelphia and starting a new life and starting a new company and did very well for myself. But it gave me a lot of time to reflect on uh, poor decisions that I made in my life and really be secluded from people that I knew my whole life and grew up with because it, it was would, would have been very easy for me to get sucked back into all the stuff that I was doing, being around the same type of people with that mindset. So Philadelphia, believe it or not, one of the toughest cities in the country changed a very tough person as far as criminal type stuff. I did did really well and uh, really learned a lot and grew up a lot living living there and dealing with different types of people and race and um, gender and things like that. It really changed my outlook on life. There was definitely lots of ups and downs, and I feel like I'm on top now. So. so on a lighter note, what do you enjoy the most about your work? Outside of making money, looking at a, something that is basically a giant piece of shit and turning it into something amazing, it, it's a huge sense of accomplishment. Uh, and, and then most of the time I design the things, too, that people want in their homes, their kitchens, bathrooms. You know, it's pretty, uh, I, I would say 75% of the stuff I do, I design uh, with a little bit of help of, of, of the customers. And But I just, I get to see that and, you know, kind of tap into my artistic sense, I guess. It's definitely rewarding. So what are some common misconceptions about what you do for someone who doesn't really know much about construction, especially in Arizona? You know, I imagine it's hot. It's probably a lot of work, dusty. The biggest thing that I deal with is uh, construction workers definitely have a bad name. Um, People stereotype as far as like guys drinking on the job or doing drugs, you know, that, that is a big common thing, but, uh, homeowners pretty much saying, well, you know, I would do it this way or I can do this. And, and, you know, I would, I basically tell them, well, then why'd you hire me to do it then if you can do it better than me? But that's, that's very rare that that happens. Uh, as far as the work conditions, yeah, they're not, you know, it's definitely not, not an office job. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, especially in the summertime, it's extremely hot. You know, most job sites are very dirty and dusty, and especially if the homeowner is living in the house, uh, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it so they can still live in their home. There's difficulties as far as the conditions and things like that, but, you know, I've been doing this for almost 20 years, so it's 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 like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth. You know, mm-hmm. it's the norm for me. What are you looking for out of a subcontractor? Consistency, uh, quality, work, and showing up on time and doing what you say you're going to do and fair pricing. Have you had issues with either of those? Oh yeah. Uh, it happens. It's better now. I've got my, my consistent subs that I use, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'll get guys that are like, Oh, well I can do this for, you know, way less than the other guy. And I'll sit, you know, think, okay, as a businessman, yeah, I can make a little bit more money on this. Yeah. I'll try you out. Uh, but it never works out that way. Um, 
the work is horrible, the quality is horrible, and then I end up having to pay to fix it anyway. So, you know, don't always go with the cheapest guy. You kind of go in the middle of the line and, you know, but most of my subs too, I've no, I know I grew up with, grew up in the same neighborhood, went to the same schools. You know, my granite guy, I uh, play little league baseball with him. So these are people that I've known most of my life that I, that I know I can trust that won't, you know, try to pull any punches on me. For someone who's considering this as a career, it, it seems to me, not knowing much about the industry at all, you, you know, you don't have your master's in business administration. No. You don't, you don't have a fancy NYU degree on the wall or MBA from WP Carey, et cetera. But it seems like there's a lot of moving parts here. There's, there's contracts that you're negotiating. You're, you're bidding on, on jobs, et cetera. You're satisfying investors. It seems like there's a lot at play and that you've kind of picked up all of that knowledge and, and those skills as, as you've gone. Yep. Looking back and, you know, there's the Matt of 10 years ago. What kind of advice would you give to him? There obviously was a lot of trial and error with, with, uh, the business part of, of construction. Uh, I would say, Make sure you have a signed contract before every single job. Change orders. If the homeowner wants to change something, make them sign that and agree to a price. It's sad to say, but uh, the world isn't just a handshake anymore. And I learned that uh, the hard way of multiple times. You know, I was raised in a family that your your word and is everything. And so going into business, I assumed it was the same way, but it's, it's really not, um, basically protect yourself, uh, as far as your contracts go, uh, your workers and, uh, your subs. So what's next? Growing the company, give more jobs to guys that deserve jobs and, uh, that need a chance. That, that was one thing I kind of wanted to touch on with what we do, uh, with, you know, some of my guys are, um, have been to prison and, you know, made bad decisions and, you know, it, the, when they get out, it's it's hard for them to, I guess, make amends to society, even though you know their debt should be done with society. So I I kind of have a softer spot for guys like that. I will hire them and uh, give them a chance and give them a job. And typically, guys that people that have ever have had everything taken away from them uh, have a tendency to really know how bad or good they have it. So I try to give guys like that a job and and you know with some training and try to help them out. Do you consider yourself lucky to be where you are? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. For the things that I've done and gone through, yeah, absolutely. Extremely lucky. I'm very lucky that my ex-wife helps me with my company. She's basically keeps thing go- things going as far as the business side of it uh, and, and really staying on top of everybody, staying on top of our customers so I can actually do the work that needs to be done. I'm, I'm very lucky for everything that I have. It's It's been a, a lot of hard work. Anybody that thinks that they can wake up one day and think, oh, well, I can be a business owner and, and build houses and do construction, there's in for a rude awakening because it's, it's really not that, that simple. Would you suggest trying all of the kind of hands-on woodworking auto classes and stuff in high school? Absolutely. To just see if that's something that piques someone's interest? Yeah, I mean, uh, vocational schools obviously, you know, are, are getting taken away and they need to come back more. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely need a lot more of that. I would suggest taking mechanics and woodworking and things like that. I took a lot of agriculture classes. A lot of that goes into construction too. A huge part of it is, is definitely the agriculture also. Um, I definitely would suggest that.
that's a good part of it, but you have to know numbers and things like that too for the actual building part, you know. But uh, learning how to work with your hands is is really you know the whole deal with with construction. So. I'd like to know what your take is on just the economy in general. I mean, you've you've seen the ups and downs. How are we looking today? What what do you envision as far as your competition and and just the the field in general? Uh, as far as the economy goes, it's not you know the best that it's ever been. It's I think it's 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 consistent. Yeah, you know how things are. If the housing market is bad or interest rates are high, you know, the market's going to change. But I, I feel like I have a small loophole uh, as far as that because I do a lot of um, emergency work as far as like restoration work for water damage or fires. You know, people that those kind of things are still going to happen to people's homes. Um, the scale of large remodels might. If the economy gets bad, we'll be a setback, but we do a lot of property maintenance on rental properties and condos and things like that. So I've pretty much set ourselves up for the future if the economy does die. But uh, as of now, you know, things have obviously been well for, for a long time, but, you know, things go up and down. So, you know, but you just have to be versatile and, you know, kind of roll with it, not get yourself so far in debt with your company, like taking lots of loans and things like that. Uh, you just have to know that eventually it will slow down and you have to protect yourself financially. That was, yeah, that's perfect. awesome. Yeah, I didn't know you like hedged the entire company like that. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, thanks so much for being here, for providing the insight. You're the handiest person we know. You can pretty much do and fix anything and it's amazing. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. If this was your first time listening, then thank you for being here. This podcast is produced by Still West Productions, and new episodes are released once a month for your listening pleasure. Show notes and ideas originate from our blog, and links can be found on our website at www.careeranatomy.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the handle at Career Anatomy. The views expressed on this podcast are ours alone and are in no way an implicit nor direct reflection of the views of our employers. We hope our discussions motivate you to jumpstart your own career research and develop your own opinion on these professions and how to achieve success in your field. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.